Hey, this is Chad Brown. Thanks for checking out Chad and Nate On Demand, presented by SCL Mortgage, the home of MySpecialMortgage.com. Denver Sports Station 104.3 The Fan presents Chad and Nate. Orlando Franklin hanging out during the break, giving us his two cents about the lowest floor conversation. We'll get into that in a little bit. But um, some eh, some off-season abs news because, look, there's a lot of guys on this Avalanche Stanley Cup winning team that we want to keep that we probably just can't. Larry Nikushkin just signed a new deal, an eight-year deal. And next up on the docket to figure out what we're going to do with this guy, Nazem Kadri. Matt, can we keep him? What have you heard? Yeah, it's not going to happen. Nas is headed to the open market. As Darren Dreger of TSN just tweeted out, he says, quote, Kadri's approach to free agency will be a planned free-for-all. Every interested team will make its pitch. Some will be pushed aside quickly, while others will include Kadri speaking with GMs, coaches, and players. Every team is aware he's going to market, so it is wide open. This was expected. I did the math last week and after coming up with some of these numbers there's just no way there's no way he's going to command way too much and they're not going to give him a real long-term deal they just gave that long-term deal to Nachushkin and they still have to pay Lekkonen and maybe Manson which again you probably even only get one of those two guys so there is some other big news that we heard yesterday and as Adrian Dater was on with us yesterday he had reported because I hadn't had a chance to listen to the 32 Thoughts podcast yet with Elliot Friedman, but Elliot Friedman said that Patrick Kane could possibly be a cadre replacement option. Hmm. Now, do we have that audio, Johnny? I think it's really interesting because we know that the Avs called on Patrick Kane at the deadline, but he was not ready to leave Chicago. Well, now as the Blackhawks have blown up everything, it is clearly time for Taves and Kane to leave the Windy City. And so the expectation is, and there was an unconfirmed report that today, or tomorrow, excuse me, Kane will go to the Blackhawks front office and formally request a trade. We'll see if that transpires. But there are two teams said to be above everyone else on Kane's list right now. And that's New York and it's Colorado. And here's what Friedman said yesterday on the 32 Thoughts podcast. But teams do suspect that both the Rangers and the Islanders will talk to Cadre. So we'll see where that goes. Hmm. Now, the other thing I want to say about Colorado is, at some point in time, we're going to get some clarity on Patrick Kane and Jonathan Taves. And I think they wanted to breathe after the trades and the moves at the draft. But I do think they were going to talk to Chicago about their futures. Last year, Colorado was one of the teams that inquired about Patrick Kane before the trade deadline to see if he was available. If, and I stress this is an if, if Patrick Kane's available, I could see Colorado making another try for him. That's my opinion, but I could see it. Ah, don't tease me, Elliot. So, so let me ask you, a, a player of his caliber, what kind of... What kind of salary is he going to demand? We can't pay Kadri, but we can pay Kane. How's that going to work out? That's a wonderful question, and I'm so glad you asked. So Kane is under contract for one more year at $10.5 million. And you're saying, hold on, Matt. Hold on, Matt. How's at, this going to square? At $10.5 million, how are the Avs going to be able to afford Patrick Kane if they can't afford, afford Nazem Kadri? Well, 
if you trade for Patrick Kane, the Blackhawks can retain a portion of that salary. Now, there's a thought out there that Samuel Girard could be the centerpiece in a deal for Patrick Kane, along with possibly picks, maybe a guy like a JT Comfer, although I don't think they'll go with Comfer, but a first-rounder or maybe two and Girard, I would be very open to that discussion if I were the Avalanche and if I were the Blackhawks. In fact, so much so that if I were Chicago, I would consider retaining up to 50% of Patrick Kane's salary, which would put it at about 525 You can make the numbers work on a Gerard deal there. And by doing that, you bring in another elite top six forward, a guy who scores 90 to 100 points every single year, who's the best American hockey player of all time, oh, by the way. Really? Oh, easily. And when you look at it, that's a guy who you add to the first power play with McKinnon and Rantanen and Landeskog and Makar, and that puck never stops moving. That thing is snapping around, baby. So uh, I'm all in favor of it. I was at the deadline. I think it'd be a great addition. If you lose Kadri, you will need more punch on the second line, as we saw in the playoffs when he was out. And we saw it last year when he was suspended. They need talent on that second line. Now, they need a second line center, so if you go get a Patrick Kane, the question then becomes, what are you going to do down the middle with your hockey team? Is Alex Newhook ready to be your second center? Which I think jury is very much still out on that one. So, a lot of decisions to be made, but one thing's for sure, Nate, the next 48 hours are going to be crucial for the Colorado Avalanche and pivotal over the next five to ten years. So Patrick so you're Kane telling me there's a chance. Yeah. So Patrick Kane would be a second line guy, is that what you're telling me? He could play on the first line or the second line. If you brought in Patrick Kane, you could put him on the first line with McKinnon and oh my God, the thought of those two playing together every single night would be ridiculous. But if you put him on the first line, then you just put Val down on the second line, or you could put Landeskog down on the second line. There's so many different ways to go about it. So for me, I think it it it, it sustains the critical aspect that I think pushed the Avs over the top of the playoffs, and that is positional versatility and depth. They could bring guys up and down the lineup because guys were bought in and were willing to play whatever role was asked of them. Now it's up to Kane. Does he want to go and go to a big city and play in New York and play with Artemi Panarin? I, to me, I don't really see the value of it for him, but maybe that's what he wants to do because he's been in the city for a while, but I do know he's got young kids, and what do I know about Colorado? It's a great place to raise a family as we see Russell Wilson and Chris Bryant just decided to come here and do so. Yeah, great place to raise a family, great place to live. Um, A lot of athletes come here, they stop playing sports, and they stay here because they love it so much. I'm going to ask you a logistical hockey question because I'm still learning about this sport. Patrick Kane, he's a 33-year-old guy. Uh, he's a right winger who shoots left. Is that how it usually goes? If you're on the right, you shoot left. If you're on the left, you shoot right. It depends upon where you're comfortable. It can be it can be all sorts of different situations. Some guys, the angle of the shot that sure. you're going to be taking. Well, it depends. Improves, you know, if it's on your inside hand. It just depends. There okay. are plenty of left-wingers that are left-handed. Okay. But, yeah, at the same time, you can also – it just depends on what you're more comfortable with, really, and where you, where you feel like you're better suited. Like Nathan McKinnon, you know, right shot from the left side. Rantanen is a left shot from the right side. So, sure, if on the power play, you could play it like that. But at the same time, there it's not, it's not exclusive to that, right? right. So, for me uh, – what I think is really interesting about the move is, again, back to the center position because you're really 
it's a, it's a big enchilada out there to have Alex Newhook entering the season next year as your second line center. So for me, I think it's going to be fascinating to see what Joe does because we're also neglecting the fact that they just brought in Alexander Georgiev, who's an unproven 26-year-old. And what do we know about the Avalanche and their plan? They're trying to be the exception, not the rule, to you have to have Stanley Cup championship caliber goaltending to actually win a cup, right? We saw they did it last year with a pedestrian goaltender in Darcy Kemper. So then that kind of blows that idea to smithereens, though, doesn't it, Matt? Not necessarily, because you can still have room, because you do have $15 million to either bring back Manson or go find a replacement for him. Now, there's not going to be an immediate guy who jumps off the page as, hey, you should go target me. But there's a couple guys who could fit the mold, and quite frankly, with how talented they're defensive core is already. I think there are plenty of suitable options out there. But the key here, Nate, is that stylistically, the Avs are still going to have to play nearly perfectly defensively in front of their goaltender because they do not have an elite guy like a Vasilevsky. And they don't need one. No, they proved it. And so you're okay with going that route again? Why not? Right. Roll them. Roll those dice, man. Roll them, baby. Come on now. Shake them up, shake them up, shake them up, shake them, roll them in a circle of homies and watch me break them. You mentioned uh, Joe Sackett just now. Yeah. And the, and, the, and the levers that need to be pulled and the buttons that need to be pushed in the next 48 hours. But Joe Sackett was just promoted to president. He went upstairs another level. And now McFarland is the GM. Any concern that there's going to be, I don't know, some clunkiness there? Not when at these, all. When these moves need to be made? Yeah, not at all. Really, I mean, McFarland's been Sackick's right-hand man for the last five to six years. Joe deserves to not have to go on every single road trip, especially now that he's seen the team over the finish line, right? He accomplished the goal. He got the boys across the finish line. He got Bednar what he needed at the deadline. They had full support from the top of the organization all the way down to the bottom, and they accomplished the ultimate goal. And we had a parade a couple of weeks ago. We're fresh off that parade, Nate. You and I did a show at that parade. Yeah, we did. It was fun. Yeah, it was fun. So, but now they're back to work. Right. And as we've already seen, the promotion is not limiting them from making moves. As we saw, they had a weekend off back in the office Tuesday. And, heck, they had a contract already done, inked dry with the Andrew Cogliano deal. So the, these guys are, are not adverse to working hard. So you mentioned Lecky and Manson. I did. And you said maybe only one of those guys can stay. Mm-hmm. Which do you think is the priority? Which do you think makes the this team better? Which of those guys do you need to keep around? Arturi Lekkinen. Josh Manson would be nice, and you certainly need a tough defenseman. That is a, a piece that you will have to replace. But Arturi Lekkinen came in at the trade deadline and proved how valuable he was. Before the trade deadline, I felt like they needed another middle six winger, but they also needed a guy who wasn't afraid to get to the greasy areas, the areas that win you games in playoff hockey. Prior to that, they had Landeskog, who was pretty much the lone guy to do the work in front of the net. Then they went out and added Sturm and Lekkonen. And how many tip-in goals did Lekkonen have? Heck, Lekkonen had four game-winning goals in the Stanley Cup playoffs. And he was added at the deadline for a second-round pick. And Justin Barron went pretty well for the Avs. I mean, they gave up talent. But the scouting department has given us every single reason to trust them moving forward. And I will continue to do so. Fair to say that if you were to uh, analogize the... the I believe it's analogize. <laughs> nope, I think that's a, a film you were watching. Oh, okay. Um, <clears throat> fair to say if you were to analogize the, the, the Avalanche as a, a stable of horses. Okay. Um, Nathan McKinnon. Thoroughbreds, if you will. Nathan McKinnon would be a stallion. Okay. Um, 
Seabiscuit. Landeskog, he'd be a workhorse. Kale McCarr, he'd be a unicorn. <laughs> yeah, I like these. You like I that? like it. Keep going. I got more analogies for you. I'm going to drop Sam Gerard, he'd nope. be the pony. Nope, 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 nope. <laughs> We're going to save these. Okay. okay so I got more horses in my stable, <laughs> and I'm going to let them loose next. You're listening to Chad and Nate on Denver's Sports Station, 104.3 The Fan. Well, we're efforting uh, our, our very own James the Hammer Merrillat. Um, he's going to come on and tell us, uh, well, all the good How do you think you got that nickname? I just gave it to him. Oh, you did? Yeah. Okay. So, I mean. You know, I, I thought you might have because I hadn't heard it before. <laughs> How do you think he got that? Well, Nate, it's a long story, but uh, no, I, I believe it was just you giving him that nickname. It was. Yeah. Um, interesting stuff coming in on the text line. Uh, always interesting mm-hmm. stuff coming in on the text line. Uh, one from the seven two zero nine five one. You really need to put a shout out to the Women's Football Association National Champions uh, Champions, the Mile High Blaze. Woo! Way to go, Mile High Blaze! Come on out. Add it to the wall. Another pelt on the wall here in Denver. We got what is that? Four ships now for us. We had the DU National Title, yep. the, the Mammoth Title, yep. the Stanley Cup, and yep. now the. The, and, and now the Blaze. The Blaze. The Mile High Blaze. The Mile High Blaze. Have you been to a Blaze game? I have not. Where do they play? I don't know. I'd go to a Blaze game. I bet you would. I would too. Another interesting text coming in, and this is a fellow who texts often uh, with some yeah, some hot takes. Says, Nate, you don't know all story of Bronco. You're only a transplant. John Elway, Mike Shanahan, got Dan Reeves fired because he hated the offense that was called. So I don't have any respect for John or Mike Shanahan. Sir, you might be alone here in Denver having zero respect for two of the most famous Denver Broncos in the history of the Denver Broncos. But, Nate, you don't know all story of Bronco. That's true. I don't. Yeah. And no one really does. Do, do but that. you know who does know all story of Bronco? This person. Yes. Yes. We want to welcome in James Merrillat on the Johnson uh, Auto Plaza Hotline. James, uh, there's an article, a controversial one up uh, up on Denver Fan by DMAC, and I'm going to set, set the scene for you, and I want you to react to it. DMAC says, it's frequently said that Patrick Sertan was a better pick for the Broncos in the 2021 NFL draft than Justin Fields because Denver ultimately got Russell Wilson. Of course, this assumes that some sort of master plan was executed to perfection. The theory suggests that then-first-year general manager George Payton wielded an unequal genius in his procurement of a cornerback. In reality, Peyton was like Stephen Bradbury, an Australian Olympic short track speed skater who won gold in 2002 in the 1,000-meter race after all his opponents crashed into each other. He won by default. What say you, James Merrillat? Well, I think any uh, story or article that can work in a speed skating reference is a winner in my book. I mean, that's a, that's a deep dive by DMAC there. I think he has a really good point. I think right now, in hindsight, looking at the rearview mirror, yeah, it looks like, boy, that was quite the plan. Uh, you know, look, sometimes you got to get a little lucky. Sometimes things have to fall into place for you. And, you know, the NFL or any pro sports league, it's the ultimate fluid situation, right? It, you're not the only team trying to get better. Everybody is. So you got to adjust on the fly. And I think George Payton did a really good job of that. Do I think Pat Sertan was the right pick last year? No. And I think he's a great player. I think he's a great player, but I don't think he was the right pick because 
I think he was a luxury at the time, and I think to some extent a cornerback is a luxury all the time. They can only impact the game so much, whereas a quarterback, a pass rusher, a Micah Parsons type of linebacker who can play all over the field uh, makes more sense. So it, did it work out for the Broncos, and now they got a quarterback and they got a, a really talented player? Sure, but how much did Pat Sertan help them last year? They went seven and ten. He had two picks. Like you know, big deal. He had a he had a really good season, and it didn't matter. So I think that sort of in an end around way kind of makes the point of a cornerback can only do so much, which is why it's a, kind of a a silly pick at number nine. James, wh- wh- why are you so upset that Russell Wilson's on vacation, <laughs> Matt? I'm I'm not. I, I, I'm not. I'm not upset. I'm just telling people. That people in this town and Broncos country, if the Broncos start three and five, I guarantee you people are going to talk about, hey, maybe we should stop, you know, posting our elaborate uh, anniversary celebrations in Italy on Instagram. I'm just telling you that's how it works. And it's not just here, but it's in Dallas of why can't Tony Romo and Jessica Simpson go to Cabo during the bye week in the playoffs? I mean, they weren't practicing. Well, when you go lose, that's what people focus on. Does so, anyone other than you remember that? Honestly, like I'm just I saying. I guarantee you, Cowboys fans. Okay, do. maybe you're right, and maybe they do. And, and, and if you watch the Tony Romo football life on NFL Network, there's a you know it's an hour long show, which is what 44 minutes with commercials, and they probably dedicate four or five minutes to it. And he talks about how he regrets it, and it was a bad look, and it was a, it was a bad decision, and Jason Witten is on there talking about it. So. You know, we can talk about the boat with the with the Giants uh, receivers. I mean, they're not doing anything. They're not skipping practice to go down there. But it's just a it's a bad look, and people are people are going to focus on it. And and part of it, and, I, and I'm I'm on with Tyler today. I'm going to talk about this. Oh yeah, it's been four months, a little under four, four months, uh, right around. Let's let's just call it four months since Russell Wilson was traded to the Broncos. I already have Russell Wilson fatigue. Like, the season can't start soon enough. They, they report. This is a man that misses Drew Locke is who no, this no. is. No, no, they, they report two weeks from today, and it can't come soon enough. I feel like they traded for Russell Wilson four years ago. And we've gone through an offseason where we had the abs to kill most of the offseason, right? Like, imagine if, if, if their season had ended in April and we would have been actually having to dissect all of this Russell Wilson stuff. It's just something new every day. Um, and, and he's just uh, he's constantly putting himself in the limelight. And it's just like, all right, let's just go play football. Can we just play football? I don't need to see him working out at a at a soccer facility in the suburbs of London. I'm just I'm just kind of over it. So uh, the camp can't come soon enough. So to be clear, James, I want to understand your grievance here because it is it is vacation time, right? So so guys it should is. go on vacation. They should enjoy themselves. They should. What 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 concerns you is the self promotion and the kind of the broadcasting of every moment that he's doing. Is that is that part of your fatigue, or is it, are you actually mad that he's going on vacation? Not mad that he's going on vacation. Vacation one percent. Go do it. Not mad that he's celebrating his anniversary. Not mad that he's doing all that kind of stuff. Go do it. You got all kinds of money. You know I. I, I you know, God bless you. I do think, though, I, I, the fatigue certainly comes from him broadcasting. And you know what, Nate? I think a little bit of it is my BS meter is up. I think that's why I'm fired up. Is because I'm just I keep hearing all these stories about how you know Russell Wilson's just first guy in and last guy out, and all he does is work, and he's just constantly doing this and constantly doing that. And then all I see on social media is, hey, here he is strolling into Wimbledon, and here he is putting together an elaborate anniversary in Italy. It's like. Well, both things can't be true, right? Like, there's only so many hours in the day. And I think now that we've kind of, you know, dove into this a little bit, 
I think that's my issue is my BS meter is up. I, we're, we're, we're just getting the company line out of Dove Valley. We're getting the nonsense, and we hear this all the time about somebody heading into camp, and this year it's about the most important player on the roster. And I just uh, – my my common sense as old guy who's, you know, seen these things a few times just sees what I what's going on and going, these two things don't compute. And and that's that's where my issue comes through of, you know, people are trying to tell me that, you know, one plus one is eight here, and I'm just not buying it. James, they have been married now. They just celebrated their anniversary, what, five, six years? They got married in 2016. They were dating yeah. before that. I mean, it's not like Good this is the first time he's done that, and he's had success, right? So, I mean, I, I feel like, and I get where you're coming. By the way, I totally understand where you're coming from. Really, I do, that that the <laughs> you're going to have to win, and winning is the most important thing. And, yeah, every time you open your timeline, do we see Russell Wilson in Monaco or London with a football, and he's you know got a Broncos helmet on overseas, right? It's hard to fit that in the carry-on. My only point is, is that I think when you're married to a global megastar, your life is just going to be different, right? There, there, there is no way around it. You have to be there to support her. So, so for me, I've got no problem with the James, like you said, and, and am I going to bury him if they start 0 and 3 because of the time that he spent away from the football field when we know he's spending so much of his time committed into it? No, I'm not, but do we though? Yes, like that, we do. That's what I'm saying. Like, yeah, we, we just do. Keep, because we... we've been fed that. We don't know that. We don't know it. Like, and I guess, Matt, that's a little bit of my issue of we just all are saying that because we've been told that. Like, if we actually sat in there and, and if we checked the time cards and we're watching when he's coming and going, Look, like, my, we don't know that. I, I we get know. And Giselle's got a pretty high profile. And do we see Tom every day on Instagram somewhere doing something? Like, no, he's just a little bit understated. And I think that I can get why after a decade of this, the people in Seattle just finally were like, you know what? I'm over it. Let's let's go down a different path. I, I I get it. Four months in, I actually understand it. Now, if they go out and they win, none of it matters. But if they go out and they lose, like they did in Seattle last year, where they were six and eight, I get why the, the why John Snyder and, and Pete Carroll and and everybody just said, you know what? I'm tired of having his his chef and his masseuse and his personal quarterback coach and his this and his that in in the in the facility, and we got to carve out office space for it. I'm just done with it. Like I understand it. I, it 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 is uh, it, it's clear to me why that would wear people out. Now, if you win, you can you can be as high maintenance as you want to be. You you certainly can, and nobody's going to care. And I'll be the first one, you know, calling Mayor Hancock saying, "Hey, let's uh, you know break out the barricades again. It's time for a parade." That'll be awesome, but if you don't win, that's going to wear on people. It it just is, and you know people don't want to hear that. They just want to say, hey, it's July, they can go on vacation. Nobody's saying they can't go on vacation. I'm just saying this is what's going to uh, going to be one of those things that's going to cause fatigue in a hurry. James, I can't wait to do the show with you later this week, buddy. <laughs> this may come up. Is that what you're saying? No, I just think it'll be fun. <laughs> I can't wait for the lively debate. I always enjoy working with you, James. L- likewise. Can't wait, fellas. James, I think that uh, everyone at Dove Valley probably shares some of your skepticism with kind of the entourage and the and the show that comes Russell with Russell Wilson. I think they're holding out hope that he's going to lead to wins on the football field, and until they understand if that's going to translate, they're not going to say anything about it. Uh, also, want to clarify, Pastor Tan, who you poo pooed as just another guy. He had four picks, not two last year. Okay. Let's, let's be accurate when we okay. disparage our superstars. Thanks for joining us, James. <laughs> we love you. Appreciate it. See you guys. Talk to you later, today. buddy. When we come back, we're going to dive back into the AFC West and why my partner Matt Smith thinks Matt Smith Matt Smith thinks the Broncos are we'll going to be him in here too in the cellar.
That's next. Denver Sports Station 1043 The Fan presents Chad and Nate. This is the Russell Wilson theme song right here. Work hard, play hard, baby. Go vacation in Lake Lake Como. Back for the first day of OTAs. First man in the building. I can't believe that you went over my head, requested this song, and yeah, then well. it just, I'm here. Is this Wiz Khalifa? Who sure. Is yeah. Yeah, it was. I can get down with it. That's what I'm saying. However, so I. however, this is a curated playlist here, and, uh... You know, I met Wiz Khalifa. Did you? Yeah. Wow, and what were the circumstances? Was I there was smoke work, in the air, Matt? I was, there was, <laughs> there was. I was working for KS1075 at the time. Okay. And we were doing Summer Jam. Oh, well, wow. and uh, how did you find This was a long time ago. It was fun, man. That was a good night. Good, good night, yeah. Yeah, he's pretty chill, man. Can't complain. <laughs> he seems pretty chill. Yeah. Quite so, the entourage. So, uh, as usual, James Merlatt gets the text line lighting up like a Christmas tree. Oh, he does. He's got a special talent for it. Polarizing figure. Mm-hmm. Talking about, he, he's already sick of Russell Wilson. He's already sick of the show that comes with him. Uh, but undeniably, the Broncos upgraded at that position by acquiring him. And I want to run down um, the results of the AFC West last year and have you elucidate on your idea that the Broncos have the lowest floor. Can you spell elucidate? E-L-U-C-I-D-A-T-E. Country elucidate. of origin? <laughs> England, I guess. It's English, <laughs> isn't it? So the Chiefs were the kings of the division last year, as they have been for quite some time. Uh, they finished 12-5. and five. They scored 480 points, and they gave up 364 points for a 116-point margin of victory, or net points. The Raiders came in second in the division with 10-7, and seven, which was quite a feat considering what they went through last year. If you remember the drama that the Raiders actually went through last year, Henry Ruggs um, getting in that car crash that killed a young lady, John Gruden getting fired midseason, and they also had another fellow on the team um, brandishing some weapons on Instagram Live. A lot of drama. They were able to rally around special teams coach Rich Bisacci, who became the interim coach, and led them to the playoffs. Uh, man, I was sort of surprised when they fired him just because of the way he was able to galvanize that team and how much they responded to his leadership. Special teams coaches are able to straddle the line between an offensive guy and a defensive guy. They deal with all the guys. Special teams coaches deal with every player on the team. And they have a unique relationship with him. And I, th- I think that's why sometimes special teams coaches can be great head coaches, like John Harbaugh. But Richard Passacci was let go. They hired Joshy Boy. Okay, He's taken over for a playoff team with a lot of talent. The Chargers, who uh, somehow are, you know, have leapfrogged some of these other teams as far as the PFF, or like I call them, pff, rankings go, because of their roster and because of the assumption that Brandon Staley is this wonderkind coach. I believe it's Wunderkind. Wunderkind. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I like Wonderkind. Okay. Okay. What's the country of origin on that one? Germany. Germania. Um, Alemania. Alemania. That's right. That's right. That's right. So the Chargers went 9-8, and eight, narrowly missed the playoffs. You'll remember that last game where they uh, were playing the Raiders and Bisacci out. Coach Staley. Staley really, really blew it there. They had an opportunity to, if they tied, they were both in. You remember that? Mm-hmm. And the Steelers were waiting with bated breath to see what happened there. Of course, the Chargers weren't able to, to play for that tie. They were playing for the win. They ended up losing it. Uh, but the Denver Broncos came in last at 7-10. and 10. 
But you might be surprised to understand that the, the Broncos had the best statistically, or as far as points given up, the best defense among all these teams. They only gave up 322 points on defense. Chargers gave up 459 points on defense. Staley's a defensive guy. They had the worst defense in the division. But so, do you think that was coaching or personnel? Mm, I mean, it's got to be both. Sure. And adding guys like J.C. Jackson and Khalil Mack should go a long ways to help boost that, right? Well, do you think, well, uh, along that vein, you think Vic Fangio's a hell of a coach based on that number? He got fired. No. So he's I, a good- I don't. Because I think every situation has... Because every situation is unique. Don't try and pigeonhole every situation on me. Don't try and lay the blanket of context over everything here. My point is that most of these pieces on defense are still here. Actually, the Broncos have added a few pieces. Right. They're running a very similar system. Yeah. The big problem last year was Are they? We don't know that. Sorry, I was just doing my James Merrillat impression. Evero kind of runs a similar system. The Broncos defensive players have stated that. Yeah. Okay. The big problem last year was on offense. It was offensive philosophy, and it was at quarterback. Okay? We got a new uh, philosophizer in Nathaniel Hackett and his staff, and we got a new quarterback in Russell Wilson. So, theoretically, the problem should be solved. And the defense is only going to be more experienced, and they've added pieces, and better. So why, Matt Smith, do you say the Broncos have the lowest floor out of anybody in the AFC West? Because while they do have the chance to be better, I believe when you look across all of these other teams, and you look in their processes, in their respective processes, we can go through it. I think Kansas City is still top of the class until they prove otherwise. Now, do I think they're going to take a big old step backwards with Tyreek Hill? Absolutely. Do I see Kansas City winning less than 10 games this year? I absolutely do not. They did make some other additions on the defensive side of the football. They brought in Justin Reed, right? They they tried to bolster some of the areas in, with which they struggled. They got rid of Steve Sorensen, right? Or, or uh, uh, Daniel Sorensen, Steve Sorensen. They got rid of Daniel Sorensen, and that should, in and of itself, make them a better secondary. So when I look at you, it, you didn't like Sorensen. He, you know, he, he missed some big plays. Play. Yeah, he missed some big Broncos, plays. He? Yeah, he did. Yeah. He did. He did. But he missed some big ones too against other teams, which mm. is why I think it was so frustrating for Broncos fans. I think the Chiefs are still the top of the class until they prove otherwise. When you look at the Chargers, they're a team that's currently on the upward trajectory, Nate. I think the fire has been stoked there after the way they missed the playoffs so pathetically at the end of the year. And I do think they are set to have a big season, especially when you look at the additions they did make defensively. Also, I think Brandon Staley will have some fire as well. Because this is a guy who was talked about as nothing but the fourth down guy, that he's just going to roll the dice. As a coach, you want to get better just like players want to get better. And especially if you're just starting out. So for him, I imagine that he's going to have a lot to prove that he can outthink the game because that's what he's trying to do, Nate. Right? He's trying to outthink the game. So, So in that context, you're talking about Brandon Staley has a lot to prove. I agree with that. I think he made a lot of bad choices last year and hung his team out to dry in crucial situations. Do you agree with his um, philosophy of going for it on fourth down so frequently and not kind of getting the pulse of the game, but just trusting the analytics like he seems to do? Look, it's a very, very high-risk, high-reward way to approach things. And when it works out, it looks great, and you look like a genius. But when it doesn't, you don't. And I think there's been some times when he rolls the dice way too much, especially when you're, oh, I don't know, inside your own 25. Like, just don't do it then, man. Hey, right. you know, maybe maybe punt the ball. That's why that guy's on the team. 
So, you know, I know the guys enjoying the free continental breakfast every morning at the Marriott, but, you know, maybe get him on the field. Talking about the punter. Yeah. So I think that, um, you know, the analytical debate is very interesting because there's a lot more people involved now in decision-making and uh, analyzing the game and, and getting into these coaches' heads about what they should do in certain situations. But there are situations that kind of go above and beyond what the analytics can tell you, right? Sure. At some point, you got to look in your kicker's eyes and see if you think he's going to make the kick. you got to grab him by the jersey. The analytics will tell you. Yeah. You should kick this, but what do your kicker's eyes tell you? Yeah, exactly. What are the ten- How's your defense playing? Is that what you do as a head coach? Like I, right I just, before a big decision, you'd bring your kicker I'm right over and grab say, him by the face mask. Take a look I'm, at me. I want to see in your eyes real quick. Look, his body. Yeah. Grab some bench. We're going for it. His body language matters a lot. A kicker's body language matters a lot. You can tell if they want to kick the ball or if they don't. You know, if they're kind of avoiding eye contact, slunch shoulders. Hunched, not slunched. Mm-hmm. Slunched is not a word. I'm going to tell you what a word is, Matt, when we get back. That's next. It's Chad and Nate on Denver's Sports Station, 1043, The Fan. Unit of language consisting of one or more spoken sounds or their written representation that functions as a principal carrier of meaning. Do you want to hear a random word? Yes. yes. So you just gave me the definition of word. Right. Now I can give you a random word. Well, do it. Discover. Ah, that's a good yeah. word. How about rally? Good. Horizon. Ooh. Curl. Curl. Relaxation. What do these have in common? Nothing. It's a random word generator. Randomness. Yeah. Well, I'll tell you what isn't random. What's that? Nathan McKinnon's hockey skill. No, not at all. That's yeah, a lot very of this, deliberate. A lot of the stuff that we've been talking about, who to keep, these free agents you want to sign, who do we have to let go from the Stanley Cup roster, who can we afford now that they have that badge on them, Sure. that skin on the wall, we got to let some of these guys go, some guys we can keep. All of this is kind of pebbles around the boulder isn't it, when it comes to your main focus, and that's getting Nathan McKinnon locked up. Is Nathan McKinnon due for an extension soon? And if so, what's that going to look like? So Nathan McKinnon has one more year left on his contract at $6 million. He renegotiated for a hometown discount the last time he signed a contract. So if you want to look at precedent, precedent had been set within the Avalanche organization that we were going to sacrifice individually for the greater good. So when Kale McCarr signed his extension, the players union was upset because he didn't get the highest possible dollar value where he could have gotten in other places that would have reset the market for NHL defensemen. Now, when Gabriel Landeskog signed last season, he felt like he was taking a discount to stay with the Avalanche and could have gotten more from, oh, let's say St. Louis. So for Nathan McKinnon, he now faces the biggest decision of his career, in my opinion. The Avalanche can sign him to an extension this summer. He's eligible for the first time this summer. And Joe Sackick says that they want to get this deal done. And quite honestly, I'd love to see this deal get done before Wednesday because that way, when free agency does open tomorrow, Joe will know what he's working with. But for McKinnon, the decision comes down to, 
Are you going to take more in line with what McCarr and Rantanen took at around $9 million, possibly $10 million? Or will you go the McDavid route where you ask for the highest possible dollar value you could get out of this contract? Now, I'm actually curious where you stand on this because Tyler gave me some pushback yesterday in a, in a spot I did not expect. Tyler feels like you have a responsibility to go get yours now if you're Nathan McKinnon, for the Players Union and for everyone else. And I don't necessarily agree with that because I think winning will make his career more fruitful. And by taking the $12 million number that he could ask for versus the $10 million number, now you have to remember if this is a seven, eight-year deal, that's a lot of money over the years. But just on a year-to-year basis, you're going to allow Joe Sackick to have more room to maneuver, Nate, because as we saw this season in this cup run, we know how important depth can be, especially when your stars aren't carrying you. So I think it's the most important decision of McKinnon's career, and he will decide in large part really what the Avs can do, not just next year, but the years after. And because he's eligible and that new cap hit, whether it's $12 million, whether it's $10 million, will not take place until the 23-24 season. So they have all of next year at his $6 million number, which is why going all in at the deadline made so much sense because you do have the flexibility under the hard cap for this window. What say I? What say you? So I think, uh don't want to put words into Tyler's mouth, but he's coming at this from kind of the football perspective. Sure. Right? Get as much as you can while you can because you're not going to be here for very long. Right. Hockey's very similar in that regard. Not only that, but football players getting cut all the time, moved from team to team to team to team. Really, the, 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 the union, to some people, is more important than the teams themselves. Okay? The team aspect, I feel, is more intact in the game of hockey. It's less about me and more about the boys. Right. It's less about what I can do and how long I can play than what we can do together. I think these guys would probably rather have a 10-year career with two or three Stanley Cups than a 13-year year career with none. Sure. I also don't think that they value money as much as NFL or NBA guys. It's interesting, and I actually don't disagree with you there. I think you got a point. I think a guy like Nathan McKinnon says, <clears throat> okay, over the next eight years, if I make $80 million, Yeah. Or 92 million? Right, right, right. I'm still never going to have a problem with money for the rest of my life. What am I going to do with $100 million? I don't have the kind of taste that's going to require me to buy stuff that's going to actually ever put me close to worrying about money again. So why not keep the boys that I like around? Make my experience better. Give me a better shot to win a Stanley Cup, multiple Stanley Cups. I'd rather have that than more more digits in my bank account. I agree with you. What does Sidney Crosby have? He has Three. We all know how close those two are and how much Nate looks up and admires Sid. I, I, I know that fire burns there for McKinnon. And I'll also tell you this about Nate. And while I wouldn't begrudge him for two seconds if he asked for that, if he asked for the highest dollar value he could get, he certainly has earned it. He certainly deserves it. However, with the new national television deal the NHL has, and now that hockey is being brought back to a national audience... Is it like, yes? so yeah. basically based the, on this avalanche run, it's really kind of helped the oh, NHL? It, it's not just this run. It's the fact that TNT picked them up this year, so they right. had national games every week, and they're 
the NHL is back on ESPN, which is really important because they'll talk about it more. It's the first tab on their homepage now when you go to look at sports. That's is that not, not how just it the, used kind of to the, be. The residue of the Stanley Cup is no. that going to fade? No, I mean I'm sure eventually things will change, but they have the rights deals to these, so you're always going to promote your own product, right? And so when I look at the NHL as far as popularity goes, if this sport is now being reintroduced to the country, which in large part it was. Being on ABC, the cup final was this year. Everyone had access to it. You didn't need a, a, a special cable package. You didn't need a streaming service. No, you just turned on TV and it was right there on ABC. So that opened the game to a different a different chapter, a, a different demographic, I should say. And so when I look at the numbers, they were... Greatly, greatly improved over the last year. And as you reintroduce the game, you need new faces as the older generation begins to phase out. You look at Crosby and Ovechkin and even Stamkos and the Lightning to an extent. Those guys are on their way out. The Avs are the team of the now. They have the chance to be the team of the 20s. And so when I look at it, I think Nathan McKinnon stands to make a lot more from being one of the faces of the NHL if you continue to have sustained success in front of a larger and larger audience year over year and become a household name, just the same as Kale McCarr does. How important is it? You, you just mentioned TNT. and, and they're, they're Not the Dynamite, the, the television station. Correct. Yeah. How important is it for the growing of the NHL, the game, to have a guy like Wayne, Wayne Gretzky on TNT talking about these games, talking about um, Kale McCarr, comparing him to Bobby Orr? Is that, is, does that help connect the past to the present as far as hockey goes and, and get, keep some of those old fans engaged and, and, and score some new ones? I think it definitely draws some eyes, but Gretzky isn't even great. It's biz that's the moneymaker. It's guys like you in, in your demographic, your age group, guys who are funny, guys who don't know how to have a good time and can relate the old to the new and can marry the both of them together. Guys who you know when you take the microphone in front of a national audience or a very large audience where you have FCC rules and regulations, when you take that away, you know that guy would be pretty fun to hang out with, right? Yeah, yeah. And I think that is why TNT has become so popular is because you've got something entertaining to watch. I'll tell you this. During the cup final, I wish we could have been watching TNT so we could have been entertained. I wouldn't yeah. have turned the TV off at halftime. Right. I, and... and Mark Messier and Chris Chelios, I mean, those guys are amazing with Steve Levy on ESPN, but they, they're just missing that special spark, and TNT had it. And whether or not it was Gretzky, I certainly think having the greatest player in your game's history right there doesn't hurt. Yeah. Either way, you slice it. We talked about this earlier. How do you slice it? Um, usually with a knife, mm. serrated one. Uh, but either way you do it, if you do it your own way. Um, you could go your own way. You could. And either way you went, you come back to Denver, you'll find that Denver is the center of the hockey universe. We talked about the Stanley Cup championship coming here. We talked about DU, and we forgot East High School's hockey championship. We did. That was a glaring omission. Glaring omission. The center of the hockey universe, what we're trying to do, what we're fixing to try to do, is make Denver, once again, the center of the football universe. We're Tim Tebow days away we are Brandon Marshall days away from training camp starting, and uh, we're all licking our chops. Until then, we're going to be talking Broncos. We're going to be talking Avalanche, and I think the guys coming on next are going to be doing the same. Make way for Orlando and Cecil. Thank you, Matt. You're welcome, Nate. That was fun. Orlando and Cecil, next.
Hey, this is Nate Jackson. Thanks for checking out Chad and Nate On Demand, presented by SCL Mortgage, the home of MySpecialMortgage.com.